Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Uh, this is Tony Rose, she, her pronouns, and welcome to episode 56 of our Modern Classroom podcast. Um, in case this is your first time listening to us, I am a program manager at Modern Classroom full-time. I used to be a middle school English teacher as well as an instructional coach, and I implemented and I was also a mentor for Modern Classroom. And we have two very special guests today. Last episode, we talked about our new teachers who were um, implementing the model, and so I figured it would be really great for this week to talk about our veteran teachers because we do have a lot of veteran teachers who are implementing our model. So Megan and Jocelyn, take it away. Hi, this is Megan Remmel and I am a middle school English teacher. I've been teaching for 22 years. Um, I started the Modern Classroom in the spring of 2020. I became a distinguished Modern Classroom educator that following winter and I did some mentoring this past summer. And I'm excited to talk about my experience with the Modern Classroom. Uh, hey, this is Jocelyn Heitzman, and I've been teaching for 18 years. I taught high school for 13, and this is my fifth year as a middle school English teacher. Remmel um, definitely pulled me into the Modern Classroom. I like to call her my partner in education. Um, we do everything together, and during pandemic times, this made a lot of sense and it was really exciting and it fit really well, um, you know, with virtual learning. And now we're implementing it for real in person. And um, it's great. Thank you uh, so much for that. So Megan and I are actually in the same mentor learning group. And so she was able to share some of her reflections, which was really great about just how Modern Classroom has really impacted her classroom, which was really, really awesome to hear. And I was speaking with Megan and I was like, you know what, I want to do this episode. I think you'd be a great um, guest. Um, and she actually approached me and was like, you know what, I have a uh, teacher partner who does the same thing with me, Jocelyn, and we would love to be um, in the in the podcast together. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's actually a really, really great idea. So thank you so much for you, uh, for both of you, um, for saying yes. So I really, really appreciate that. All right. So let's talk about um, how you were introduced to Modern Classroom. How did you come across it? Um, tell me more a little bit about just your journey in the beginning of Modern Classroom. Sure. I, I ran across the Modern Classroom's free online course in the spring of 2020. So I think we actually had been on our, what we thought would be two weeks home for the pandemic. And I was online and I came across it. And as soon as I read through the material, I was hooked. It just spoke to me, the idea of being self-paced and of checking that the kids actually were understanding what they were doing. It was kind of exactly what I was looking for. At the time, Heitzman um, and I were having conversations about how to challenge ourselves as teachers. I think, you know, being veteran teachers and being in the classroom for as long as we have, it's easy to kind of get in a rut and maybe do the same thing or do what you know, we're comfortable with. And we had both discussed, you know, what can we do to kind of challenge ourselves and try new things. And when I ran ac 
across the modern classroom online, I was like, this is it. This is a way to challenge not only the kids, but myself. And, you know, I think the thing that I liked best about it was that I was actually, you know, I wasn't being given something to just take into my classroom and do exactly as it was given online, but I was, you know, more talking about like the philosophy behind it and the method behind it and the reasons why the self-pacing and the mastery check and the pacing trackers work. So it was giving me a lot to draw from and I was able to make it work for myself and for my students. So that was really exciting. I, I felt like I could um, work with it and I could grow with the modern classroom approach. So that's when I first kind of came across it and I was super excited. I dove right in. That summer I um, had a mentor that walked me first through those first three lessons, making the videos and the must-do and the mastery checks. And again, that was super exciting to have someone to talk to about what I was doing and to have professional conversations about what I wanted the kids to learn, what was working, what I was struggling with. And then the following winter, I did the Distinguished Modern Classroom application. And again, I found all those things to be true. I was having um, discussions. I was reflecting on things. I was looking at what I was doing and if it was working or not and how I could make improvements to myself as a teacher. And then this past spring, I became a mentor. So once again, I was having all those awesome discussions and just really diving into what it means to be a teacher and and the successes that you can find and the challenges that you face. And it brought life back to my teaching journey. Like it, it made me feel reinvigorated as a teacher and like a professional and like I had more things to learn and more ways to grow. And it has been really exciting to see the difference that it has made, not only in the kids and in the classroom, but just in myself as, as a teacher. Remmel, that was beautiful. Um, so, I mean, I really have to say that I was definitely like drawn in through Remmel's enthusiasm because exactly what she said, like she found this and just immediately she was like, Heitzman, listen to all these cool things and doesn't this make sense? And it took me like not very long to like get the same enthusiasm. I did that same um, free online course and I haven't dove as deeply into it as she has in terms of mentorship um, and things like that. I mean, I do listen to the podcast. I belong to the Facebook group. But I mean, for me, it just, it came at a good time because everything was new. Um, and it's just our profession, if you don't continue to reevaluate your own teaching, um, it really can get stale. And I think that, you know, the best possible scenario is to have another person who's doing these things. So for me, um, I, am an extraordinarily organized teacher. And that is not because I was born with it. It's because um, I have ADD and I need those systems to sort of thrive. And there's something for me about the modern classroom that it's just, it's so clear to me. It's like, well, there's our do now and our must do. We've got our mastery check and then we're going to do aspire to do's and should do's. And there's the pacing tracker. And it just, it makes so much sense to me. And that has been a huge blessing. And there's a lot of kids whose brains work the same way that mine does, who also really love it. Um, and I love the fact that kids who are faster at things, like they can just keep going and they help other kids. 
Um, it doesn't feel like the class is always reliant on me every second, which is kind of incredible. Um, I really think that the best part about it is how easy it is to explain to other people. And I find myself explaining it to people who aren't teachers and, you know, other teachers in our school. And it's just very easy to wrap your head around. But the thing that's so cool is that I have all this time to have these genuine conversations with my students about the things that we're reading and doing and just about them. There's this huge push um, in our county and I think all over the country to do, um, you know, social emotional learning. And there's nothing better than just, you know, talking with kids. I mean, as English teachers, that's a huge part of our job. But to have all my lessons recorded and to have them to be able to go on, you know, without me standing in front of the room and directing them, it's very freeing. And it also, I love um, how it gives the kids freedom to do things in the order that they want to. Um, so while I didn't, you know, come across this first, I definitely am so glad that, you know, Remmel brought it to me. Like it's really changed everything. I love it. Gosh, a lot of that, right? Sounds just what everything that you said essentially is what a lot of teachers and students are going through right now, right? Um, being able to um, have resources that all students can access depending, and it doesn't matter what students are able to do and are not able to do, but like, it's really nice to know that the model is able to cater to every student's needs. Um, how long have you two been working together? Um, this is our fifth year teaching together. Wow. Okay. So fifth year teaching together, that is really, really powerful. I know when I worked at my um, my school at DC, we had three other teachers, English teachers, and we worked really well together. So it was really nice to be able to bounce ideas back and forth. Um, and I know that just like what you said, Jocelyn, where, you know, it's really nice to have another person to kind of try something out, try something new uh, together so that you can pick each other's brains and see what works and what doesn't work. Um, I also really like the fact that you stated, you know, we want to reevaluate our teaching um, just because we've been in the profession for so long. It doesn't necessarily mean that we stick with that one teaching strategy um, that's worked with us you know, for all of these years that we've been teaching. I know that I taught for 10 years and every year was completely different because I just wanted to try out so many different things with students. Um, and so I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up because I feel like sometimes veteran teachers are like, you know what, I don't want to fix anything that's broken. So if this is what's working for me, I want to continue doing this because it's been working for me all this time. And I kind of wanted to share some data points that, again, um, the director of research for Modern Classroom, Annie, thank you so much for putting this together. I wanted to share some research, some data points. So, uh, so far, we've had 535 educators with 15 plus years experience complete our virtual mentorship program. And that, to me, is so great to read, to see, just so that I know, like, oh, my gosh, we have a plethora of veteran teachers implementing this model. So even though they've been in the classroom for 15 years and over, they want to do something new. And I think it just kind of goes along with the 21st century skills, right? Like we have technology now, we have our soft skills that we really want our students to continue practicing. Um, and we also want to, you know, prioritize social emotional learning, just because we know that if students can't um, if the students are not feeling well, if something's going on, they really can't learn in a space no matter how well prepared and organized you are. So I really appreciated you being able to name that. Um, 
And so uh, I know that Megan started talking about um, COVID. Um, and so and we all thought it was just going to be a two week thing, right? Like we were like, no, this is going to be, it's just two weeks. It's fine. We'll figure it all out. Um, and so one reflection quote that stood out was from a veteran teacher basically said, I was planning to retire even before COVID hit, but my husband's business stopped and I need to stay busy and engaged. I'm glad not to be retired. And I have energy of a 60 plus year old to learn and teach when it comes to implementing this model. Um, and another thing is, you know, another another um, reflection quote also said, what I would tell others about the program is that I would tell them that that this is what education is about and how this program gives them the tools to implement blended learning through tangible steps. So um, Megan or Jocelyn, have you toyed around with blended learning at all? Or is this your first time ever implementing something like this? For me, it's the first time doing blended learning. And I will say that when I started creating the videos um, before the beginning of last school year, that was the biggest challenge for me. And I was slightly freaking out about how to create the videos and researching iPads and just things that I could buy to make my life easier. I kind of had to put that all aside and just focus on what I want the kids to learn and simplify my videos. So I started with very simple videos and I have progressed since then. So now, you know, I have closed captionings, we have embedded questions. I am much more natural in my videos. I think the kids appreciate that. But I was, you know, that was probably the the hardest thing for me was getting over that initial challenge of how do I create a short video that keeps the kids' attention and that teaches them the content that I want them to learn. And I also was having this feeling that I didn't want to give up my lecture time. I know that sounds kind of awful, but I was thinking that I was going to be missing that much more than I am. And I, you know, didn't, I I liked those times when we were I was teaching them literary devices or the elements of plot. And I was standing in the front of the room and going over a PowerPoint and saying, okay, write this note down on your paper now. And I thought that would be a hard thing to let go. But since being back in person this year, I think watching them watch the videos and take notes on their own has been so amazing because they're focused, they're working independently. I'm not stopping and telling them what to write down. Um, they're able to rewatch the videos, and I actually can't believe I ever thought I would miss the lecture moments of my class because I now have so much more time to have, like um, Heitzman was saying, those great conversations with individual kids about their actual work instead of, you know, spending 45 minutes lecturing to them about literary devices. So they're getting the content, and I think it's, um, I think they're understanding it more because I am breaking it down into those short videos. So that has been probably the thing, one of the things I like best is just watching them learn on their own and not me pointing to a piece of paper and saying, now write down this word. So um, yeah, the the blended learning is new for me, but I'm I'm finding that I really do love it. Um, Yeah, to build on, you know, what Remmel said, this is my first time doing blended learning in this way too. And um I mean, we definitely, sometimes it's like we sort of have like one mind. I mean, you know, she's not just like my 
teacher partner, but she's also, you know, like one of my very best friends. So we spend a lot of time together. And I know that not everybody is lucky enough to have that relationship. But I think that um, I definitely had the same feeling that I was going to miss that. Here's my PowerPoint. I'm going to walk around that I have these, you know, lectures I've done for years. And um, it's, It's actually, it's been like a huge mental shift for me to kind of let kids be in different places all the time. And it's sometimes a little scary because it would almost look sort of chaotic to somebody who didn't understand what was happening um, in terms of like what kids are doing at what time. But I've heard more on-task conversations with giving them all this time to kind of, to go into the information than I ever have like really sort of like forcing this machine to continue. And like I said, like that's been like something that I've just sort of had to let go um, is that like control of like, well, I'm going to see 100% of my kids write this word on this piece of paper or everybody's going to work on this one thing. And it's exhausting to do that because they're kids and like sometimes they're not feeling it or they need to get up and walk around a little bit or they need to talk to their friend about something. And like it makes the class go by so fast and I think they really, really love it. Um, Another thing that I was thinking about that we've talked about is – Standards-based grading, if there was a possibility to take grades away, um, I would go for it in a heartbeat. Our students are very fixated on their grades, and the fact that they can redo things for mastery um, is sort of new to them, Um, and they still sometimes have a hard time letting go when they've reached mastery to not make something perfect. But yeah, to you know, to have students actually like reach mastery in a concept is so much more meaningful than just like tacking on grades. And another thing that I was able to let go was like late assignments. Like it doesn't matter if they're doing it, you know, that's better than anything else. Yeah, I'm definitely a huge advocate for instructional videos only because, you know, as English teachers, we like to talk. And I know I definitely get carried away with my stories when I'm sharing with my students. And so... Um, a lecture could take like 25 to 30 minutes as opposed to just an instructional video where it would take six to nine minutes. Um, and we are definitely using our time much more intentionally. Um, and I really like that about the model. Um, and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I hate grading. Grading is the worst. I would always tell my students, you know, hey, don't ask me about the grade. That's not what we're worried about. Um, I want you to just continue growing in your learning journey. And so that's what we want to focus on is like making revisions and making sure that we reach, you know, a certain um, mastery level just so that we can continue moving forward and not necessarily focusing on the letter grade or the number grade. Um, I really love the fact that you two are just teacher besties um, and partners as well. I'm sure it makes it a lot easier um, for you to continue working together. Um, And I definitely miss my teacher besties as well. Um, And just being able to plan things out with them has just been always so much fun. Um, And so, Megan, when you were talking about how you didn't want to give up the lecture time and then thinking back now, you're just like, I can't believe I thought of it that way. Um, That's a little wild, right? Um, But it is really nice to just be able to look around and see our students are becoming self-directed learners, right? So they're they're, um, being introduced to this completely new teaching and learning model. And some of them struggle at first, right? Because they're just so used to being talked at um, and being passive when it comes to their learning. But 
at the same time, they end up loving it because they are able to learn however they need to learn. Um, they can access the information as much and as often as they need to. They can go back and continue, um, you know, revising and making sure that, you know, they understand completely what they're learning in class. So I, I, I do like the whole concept of being able to let go. Now, I've only, I've only taught for 10 years and it was really hard for me to relinquish control. Um, how difficult was it for you two to just be like, you know what, I got to let it go. I have to let it go. Did you try to hold on to some of it in the beginning? Or were you just like, you know what, I'm going in day one, I'm diving in, I'm going to just relinquish everything that I've always known? I, I, I'll i start. I know Heitzman probably has a similar answer to me, but it's been it's been tough at times. And I will be honest probably a week before school started. And Heitzman, I don't know if I said this out loud to you. I probably did. But I was like, I don't know if I can do this model. I don't know if I can do modern classroom in person. I had a little panic attack. And I actually listened to a podcast like that day or the next day. And um, someone on the podcast said, you know, it's okay to be scared of something. It's okay to, you know, feel a little overwhelmed. Like, that's good. Like, you know, if you're not a little nervous about implementing this or about trying something new, then you're, you're not, that's not normal. Like everyone's going to be a little nervous about it. So I listened to that podcast and it, it changed my mind. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to give it a try. It's going to be, it'll work out one way or the other. So it was, it was tough to give up the control and just the, the, like Heitzman said, I was so used to teaching a certain way that it was hard. Once we got going, once we were in the classroom and I had the kids in front of me, a lot of that kind of went away. And I was looking around and I was saying, okay, they're working. They're watching the videos. They're um, working on their must-dos. I'm conferencing with kids about their writing. This is amazing. There are times when I look up from having a conversation and I'm thinking, what is that kid doing over there? It doesn't look like they're doing English. And my gut reaction is to kind of yell across the room, hey, get back on task. And I don't do that. I hold back and I give them a couple minutes. And in a few minutes, they're back on task. Like that's the amazing thing about the modern classroom that, you know, they have those moments where they can kind of drift and, you know, maybe doodle or work on a math problem. Like some of my kids want to work on a math problem for two minutes in class. And you know what? That works for them. And then they go back to to their English material. So those moments I have to kind of control myself and just trust that the modern classroom will work. I think that's a big part of it, trusting that things will work um, and that it's okay not to have control over all the kids at once. Um, I remember when I first started teaching in 1998, one of my very first observations, my principal drew a diagram of the classroom and he picked five kids and he would watch them for 10 minutes at a time. And he would put a little tick mark on the, you know, a little check on the paper every time they were off task. And that observation terrified me. And I was thinking these kids, I need to have these kids on task tuned in hundred percent of the time or else I'm not a good teacher. And it has, taken me some time to kind of reassess that, you know, feeling that, that was ingrained in me from beginning, from a beginning teacher that the kids don't necessarily always have to be doing exactly the same thing or the exact word getting written down on the paper. And that it's okay to have 
them working at their own pace and and taking control of their education. So it has been difficult and it's super nice to be able to pop next door and say to Heitzman, Oh, I, I didn't really have a great last period. And she'll be like, Oh, you know, it's okay. This, you know, this is going to go better. Or she'll say, Oh, I had a great last period. And I'll be like, okay, I, I can do this. So we kind of bounce off each other and, you know, um, build each other up when we need it. But it, it was a little tough giving up some control. And I think Heitzman will agree with that. Yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. Um, Remmel is better at letting go of control than I am. Like sometimes I get really caught up in like the mechanics of something happening. And it's so funny, Remmel, that you said that about, you know, maybe not doing the modern classroom model. I had the same thoughts. It was the end of the summer and I was like, well, we're back in the building. I mean, we could just pull out our old binders and, you know, but like I really wanted like something good to come from doing all that virtual teaching and all those modules and all those things. And it just like felt so, you know, silly to like let it all go. And it was kind of like, you know, I, I guess we just never said those things to each other. But like before I knew it, she was like, hi, so look, I made these signs and this is happening. And I was like, oh, well, I bought these bins. And it was just really um, – it, it really kind of speaks to, you know, why you sort of need other people. And if you don't have a person in your building doing the modern classroom, like there are definitely lots of people like around the country that are doing it can who can be the cheerleaders for you. I think that neither one of us have like a truly like terrible time at the same time, like which is really lucky sometimes – you know, like I'll, I'll go over and I'll be like, you know, there was so much downtime today and these kids were like playing with paper and it felt really bad. And, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because like I have not fully held back from, you know, keeping kids on some kind of English task. Like it's, um, I feel myself trying to like ratchet back to that point. And it's harder for me to let go, I think, than for Remmel. But, I mean, hearing her say that makes me want to, like, back off a little bit in certain cases. Um, because there has not been a single kid who has, you know, been disruptive or, you know, not done anything. So, I mean, I think I just need to be okay with them sometimes, like, you know, doing something different um, that's not, you know, that's not English-related. So, um that is definitely kind of challenging. And I think that it's been really hard for me to wrap my head around about like, what do I keep electronic? What is paper? What do I grade? Um, what do I just kind of look at and then, you know, don't look at again? Like all of the grades in the modern classroom, you know, are meaningful because like we cut out all of that fluff. Um but not all of it needs to, you know, have a point value assigned either. So that's the kind of stuff that, like, they constantly sort of want to know. And I kind of feel like in some ways this is like a new teacher experience. We're not totally sure how things are going and you change kind of midway. I mean, like, our pacing trackers, like, my pacing tracker last year was, like, very metaphorical. And, like, I did it for them to start and then they would move their names. And now – Mine's just like a literal checklist that they click on a Google Doc and I put it up on the screen. And if somebody needs help, I'm like, okay, well, that person's done. Go talk to them. Luckily, they're, you know, eighth graders and they don't really seem to like riot when you change stuff. But I kind of – I feel bad sometimes where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to collect this today, but not the next time. Um, so that has been kind of kind of challenging. 
I really appreciate both of you sharing those thoughts, um, the initial thoughts of, you know, in the beginning of the school year of like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't go back to this model because I've been doing it a certain way and, you know, we're going to be in person. So I really appreciate your vulnerability and just being able to share that. Um, and it's just, it's just, it, it's okay to have those feelings, right? It's okay to like question it, to doubt it. Um, and then also just making sure that, you know what, let's trust the process. Uh, let's trust the model and we can implement just like little pieces of the model as well so that we can feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, it's really interesting, Megan, that you said that when you first started teaching in 1998, you had the tick marks. That actually happened to me in 2015. And it was so jarring, right? I feel like teachers were just always um, walking on eggshells or just like making sure that every kid is engaged, however that may look like when really, you know, it's all about looks and not necessarily the students are getting anything out of it. But um, that's, that's so, it's ridiculous and bizarre that like, that kind of evaluation still happens. Um, and it is very nerve wracking as well for, you know, admin or people who are evaluating you to come into your classroom and, and it's a modern, you know, it's a, it's a modern classroom model. And so it kind of looks chaotic because everyone's in different pacing. Um, but at the same time, students are way more organically able to have those conversations about what they're learning about. And so I, I really love that part of it. Um, and it's just, I think it's beautiful that you said, Jocelyn, that, you know, the pacing tracker, like you can make you can make changes as often as you want. You can make sure that it works for your students. Um, and this is something that I always tell people too, is like the beauty of the model is that there is no right or wrong way to do it. So if you see like one teacher doing it a certain way, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing it the wrong way, um, but it, that teacher is just doing what's best for them. Um, so for me, right, like I didn't have independent um, student trackers because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to look at that or even like manage it. But I've seen like beautiful, um, you know, individual trackers and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that would be really cool. But I know as a teacher, I would not be able to keep up with it. And I would feel like that was just an extra effort that like wasn't going to do anything for me. Um, so I really heavily um, relied on the class pacing tracker and my students were totally okay with that. And so, um, and another thing too, you know, um, there are teachers who only stick with like that content, right? So if you're finished with your must-dos, you have your should-do and aspire to-do and like you get to choose from all of these like activities, but it still pertains to that, um, that content that you're learning about. And so I know, um, Meg and I, um, she's, uh, my boss at modern classroom, right? So she had, um, her students just focus on her content. So she was a little bit more strict with it. And then for me, I was like, well, it's a natural consequence, right? Like as adults, we focus for like 10, 25 minutes, and then we get distracted by something. And that kind of happens with kids too. So I think giving students grace, you know, and just the ability to be like, I need just a quick two, three minute break. Um, and then I'll go back to it, I think is great. But I think, you know, we're afraid of that because of how we've been evaluated before, right? Of just like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen if they come in and they see a student doing math homework when this is English class. Um, so I really appreciate you, you both just sharing that. Um, 
I guess I had, um, I have another question about curriculum. So when I was talking to the new teachers in the previous episode, uh, they were still getting used to their curriculum, creating their own curriculum. And so I'm wondering, um, do you think that this model was easier to implement because you kind of already know your curriculum? I get, I guess the thing that the challenge I had with our curriculum was figuring out how, figuring out how to pare it down to make those nice short videos and it, and to break it into basically mini lessons. So I don't know if it was any easier because I was familiar with the curriculum. I think it actually helped me look at my curriculum in a different way. Um, especially since I've been teaching the same content for so long, a lot of what, you know, I, I know it so well, I teach it over and over again, year after year. And for me to break it down into those short videos and the must-do activities that with, went with it and the mastery checks to make sure that they've learned what were what the what was presented in the video really forced me to to take a closer look at the curriculum and ask myself what do the kids have to know like what do they absolutely need to know to understand the elements of plot what do they you know have to be able to show me so that I know that they understand that so it was really helpful for me as a veteran teacher to break my curriculum down into those small components. So I'm not sure if it was easier or not. I think it was just made me look at my curriculum in a different way. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I don't know. Like it's still, it still kind of feels like looking at it from a totally different way um, because we've just had to kind of like reinvent it so many times. But it did kind of make me look back at some of, you know, the things that like we did in the first couple of years we worked together that like don't exactly transfer into the modern classroom. And English is so hard because, you know, it's so much, just everything builds on itself and writing skills, you know, they build, um, same with literature and analysis and things like that. It's not as, the progression is not, I think, as eloquent as it is for math or science. So I think that was something that's like held me back from this kind of model for a long time because I would hear about people and like years ago, you know, the big term was like a flipped classroom. And I was like, well, how could I possibly do that with English? But, you know, when you really do sit down and think about stuff, it's like you see what you really need. Um, one of the things that's kind of exciting, like when I look back at, you know, how long I've been an English teacher, like when I was a new English teacher, I was so focused on making sure that, you know, kids read and I gave them, you know, all these quizzes and all of these questions that like, in the end, just really didn't matter. Um, like who really cares exactly when this event happened in the book and what, you know, it's it. They, everything kind of felt like gotcha when I first started teaching. It was like, well, if I don't, you know, make sure that they're doing the reading and studying the content, like, I mean, I have to, there has to be consequences. And now, you know, I look at books in a totally different way. Like we're going to be doing, and I've done this before, but for our novels, we're going to give them choice um, for all of them, not just independent reads. I mean, for like our unit coming up, like they'll have a choice of like five books and we'll group them, you know, with kids who are reading the same book, but then do the similar activities that are sort of generic um, for the novels. 
And I think that that has actually lessened some of what I've had to do with the curriculum because it's not like, well, we have to figure out the page numbers for this book, for this particular thing. It's more of it goes goes on them, which is really exciting. But sometimes I feel like the work is kind of endless. And like when I think I can use something that I've already made, it's like, oh, we can. Oh, but wait. So that's, um, that's always, that's always kind of fun, but I mean, it's manageable so far and we do share our workload too. I mean, we make our own videos, but, um, we share all the same stuff and I could not do this without her, not at this level. There's no way. I'll add into, um, Jocelyn talked about the like gut shoes as far as, you know, we have to make sure they read and that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And in the modern classroom, the, I mean, I don't, I'll call it a gutcha, but it's not really the you find that out because you're talking to the kids and that's for the kids. They want to do what they're supposed to be doing because they know that I'm going to come around and have a conversation with them. And I feel like I'm treating them like, you know, giving them respect, treating them professionally. And they want to own up to that. They want to, they want to be ready to have those conversations with me and they want to be ready to talk about their writing. So just in the first few weeks of school this year, I've, met with every kid and talked about something that they've written. And I don't think a lot of them have had that happen in the past. They haven't sat down, you know, one-on-one with a teacher, you know, in, within the first two weeks of school and had a conversation about their writing where we talk about, you know, this is what you did great and this is what you can improve upon. And we're going to do the same things with the novels. So they know that they might not come in and get a multiple choice test from us about the events of the story, but we're going to have a conversation. It's going to become evident whether you read or not. And, and they are, they're, they're, you know, taking on that challenge and rising to it. So just, I can see that already just in the beginning of the school. So I think that the modern classroom does put the onus on them and it also makes them feel good because I'm expecting them to do it. And they're like, okay, this teacher this is what the expectation is. And I'm gonna have to sit with Miss Remmel and talk about this story. And I don't want to look like I didn't do the reading. I want to be part of this. So it is very motivating for them. And it, and it's funny, it's kind of the same motivation that I found in the modern classroom was having those professional conversations with like you, Tony Rose, in those uh, Zoom meetings that we were having, we were talking about mentorship, like those kind of conversations really motivated me to want to do the best because I was talking to other people who were motivated to do their best. And we were having real conversations, not about check marks on a seating chart of who was paying attention or not, but about, you know, what are we doing to bring out the best in our students? Yeah, I I have to agree with you both. Um, The conversations are so important for our students to be able to learn. They need to have uh, a chance to have that conversation with their peer, with their teacher. And you're right, like students really do want to put their best foot forward. They don't want to, you know, fail. They like to, they like to succeed. And I think sometimes our students shut down because they, they don't have the opportunity to succeed. And with this model, it gives them so many, so many opportunities to be successful. Um, and yeah, Megan, like I absolutely love our modern classroom family because the energy is just so positive and like the teachers are just so open to, you know, sharing resources, talking about their challenges, celebrating each other. And I just love that community that we've created. Um, just so that teachers don't feel completely alone when they're implementing something so brand new. Um, So 
I guess we can start wrapping up now. Um, what What is one piece of advice that you would tell veteran teachers who are hesitant about this model? What would be the one thing that you would tell them or maybe two things that you would tell them? The one thing I would tell them is that you can make it work for you. And it's okay if you get into it to make changes. Um, like Jocelyn said, we've already made some changes with our kids and we've just been straight up with them. You know, I said I tried the trace, um, the pacing tracker this way and it didn't work the way I want it. So now we're going to try it this way. So I think you have to be able, willing to adapt, um, not afraid of making mistakes, you know, realize that you can make changes along the way. It's not something that you have to have your entire year planned out from day one. Um, it does take a lot of front loading, but you can still make changes when you need to make changes. So that would be my first point of advice. And then my second um, thing I would say is that I just can't say it enough that it, it has made me feel like a better teacher. Like I feel like a professional. I feel like I'm doing the best for my kids. I feel like I'm having real conversations about what's happening in my classroom. And that is so worth it to, you know, feel like you, like I've taken ownership back over my, my profession and myself as an educator and that I'm challenging, you know, the way I do things. So that has all been very, very rewarding for me. Um, so I guess the advice that I would probably give is be prepared to do a lot of work up front, um, especially when you're first starting to make content and videos. Um, but don't let that, you know, frustrate you because what ends up happening is you do all of this front loading and you build your content for the week or the unit or whatever's working for you. And then, you know, it's not like you're also on your feet giving like a full lecture and like passing out papers and, you know, doing all the things in the classroom every day too. So if you kind of look at it that way, I mean, you just, you do the work of a teacher, but at a different way. And it's so good for the kids and it's so good, you know, for teachers in general that like, while in the beginning, it may seem like a lot. Um, it really does, it really does pay off. And I would also suggest that, well, yes, you can definitely make things your own and it's definitely okay to change things. If you are able to think about it with the, instructional video, the must-do and the mastery check, uh, and just trying to frame your thinking that way, that will help with, you know, the chaos of trying to, you know, figure out what to do. And that's something that's a touchstone for you and for the kids and also for parents and administrators. Um, if you use that language all the time, if there's anything that you use, I feel like if you use those three concepts – um, and whatever goes into them for your content goes into them. I think that that will just be something to for you to hold on to, like when things, um, you know, seem challenging. Yeah, thank you so much. And to just wrap this up, we have um, the date going back to the data points. It says that 82% of our veteran teachers who did the mentoring program said that they will continue to adopt modern classroom practices for the rest of their career. 
do you think that you are going to continue using Modern Classroom until the end of your time? Yes, definitely. That that question is loaded. How long do I have to go, Tony Rose? How much longer do I have to teach? <laughs> Gremlins till the day we die. Okay. Promise. Yes, I plan on, I mean, I'm, yeah, this year, I'm taking it one year at a time right now, Tony Rose. But no, I, I'm loving the modern classroom. So I plan on using it for as long as I'm teaching. And hopefully that won't be more than another 30 years, but I'll let you know. I mean, after teaching 22 years, right? It's like, yeah, this is, I mean, you're right, taking it year by year. Um, but I would love to have you both in education, teaching our babies for the rest of your lives. <laughs> um, but I know how exhausting it is to be a teacher, so I completely understand. But um so yeah, our students are really, really lucky to have you both. Um, I really appreciate you joining us in this podcast today. And um, and so again, just thank you for saying yes to implementing the model after teaching 18 years and 22 years. Thank you for saying yes to this, this podcast and sharing your experiences. And I'm hoping that some of our veteran teachers who are hesitant um, will begin to start toying with what pieces of the model they can start playing around with. Um, and so with that being said, I really appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Tony Rose. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.